Hey, what's up, guys? This is Jordan Anderson, and welcome to the audio podcast. I've converted my vlogs into sound for your convenience and your enjoyment. Um, yeah, so back to the RX100. So that camera, uh, I wanted to use it because of how small it was. I thought that, um, that since I will be the groom, that I could just also just kind of shove this in my pocket and my coat pocket and not have to worry about it and you know take some really good video at the same time not holding a giant DSLR you know not you know I didn't want to go I didn't want to take this thing to the wedding this was like this was way too much obviously so to put like something that's basically the size of your cell phone on this Gorillapod was uh, I think a the right solution um did it play out well um the my biggest complaint with it uh was the sound there's a there are two little holes at the top of the camera and i'll switch over i'll show you there's two little holes at the top of the camera and that would be the microphone inputs um those suffer from the biggest wind noise like it's if it's just a slight breeze your audio is completely shot there's there's nothing you can do about it um so you definitely need to get some those like little fuzzy things that you like put on your lapel mics um they're just kind of, I don't even know what they're called, like dead kittens. They're called like just, they're, they're just little tiny windscreens. I would get some of those, glue them on top of your microphone inputs um, because otherwise your camera's just going to be a good visual camera and not be a good audio camera. Um, so a lot of people have been using this as their vlog camera. Uh, the major vloggers have been using this almost as their B cam. It's not really their... Uh, you know, because usually most everyone's using the ADDs or the A7S. Um, so this camera is, it's probably their B cam for major for the major vloggers because of the audio inputs. Um, it's not, yeah, see there's the two mic inputs. Yeah, this is probably what's holding back, what's holding this camera back from being like an A cam on a professional level. Uh, it's just because the, I mean, takes great video the selfie flip screen is perfect like that's that's exactly what you need when you're trying to record a vlog uh, but the audio is just super subpar so unless you're recording to something off-site you know, then it's just not it's probably not your best solution um, but going into it it can do 4k if you have the right memory card which I did not which was a uh, a regrettable mistake it didn't have um, you need you need a certain speed of your memory card so if you have a slower memory card or if you have one that's uh, you know it they've upgraded the classes of cards so now if you have like a I think this card right here oh, where is it? yeah this card that I was using I've had this card for like a year now 40 megabytes per second 32 gig it's a class 10 u1 SDHC um, that is too slow for that camera if you want to unlock the 4k now if you want to do the 1080p and some of the other slow motion in 1080p um, that can work but if you want to uh, go into 4k mode such as down here like that's that's uh it's not gonna work for your home um, but yeah the 1080 the 1080 features worked the slow motion it has like on the mode dial, it has its own uh, separate feature for slow motion, which I really appreciated. I'm trying to find a picture of that. It was, 
I only found out where the slow motion was until like the very end of actually using it before I had to return the turn to the rental house. Um, but you see their HFR. Yeah, let's switch screens. So if you see right here, it says HFR right there. That's going to be your high frame rate. So you know you're going to hang out mostly in your camera mode, your sorry, your video mode, and then you're going to switch over to the HFR mode. Cool. Yo, what up, Gabriel Lewick? Yo, I am. So in this live stream, guys, if you have any questions, just drop it in that chat window. I can uh, chat back with you guys. Um, if I'm like going too fast or if I need to like go back and cover some something else, just let me know. Uh, let's see, let's see. So RX 100 4K, you need a special card. Uh, is it a good vlogging camera? Yes. Image quality is pretty decent. Um, definitely able to color grade. You're not going to get into these S logs, high, you know, these like you can do S log 2 gamma, but uh, it's not going to give you as much latitude to kind of go in and out of like super deep color grading. Just it's gonna it's gonna look nice, but the image is gonna be limited when you're actually down into the color grade and you're just like you're gonna stretch the image just a little bit. Okay, so let's move on to the camera that I use for my vlogs. And that would be the Canon 70D, but I want to talk also at the same time about the Canon 80D because most people are kind of working in either of those spaces if they're going to use the either Canon DSLR. So the Canon 70D, Canon 80D, it's a it is a crop frame DSLR. It's by Canon. As a flip screen, uh, it came with video. This 70D came out. Let me try to think. Uh, two or let's see, it came out. Wow, it's been a while. Four or five years ago, and the 80D just came out last year. Um, the and before that was the 60D, which was even worse. So they've kind of added some extra features to the 80D from the 70D. It mainly being the headphone jack on the side. And the mic input on this on the 70D, all I have is a mic input. So there's no way for me to mon monitor audio unless I'm just looking at the waveforms. Um, not the waveforms, the uh, audio meter. Um, let's see. So I think, so for this, this is probably a good B cam if you're going to go into the wedding world. It's cheap enough to where you're not going to really hurt yourself uh, if you're trying to like if you're just starting out just looking for a, a, a solid B cam to get obviously since it's a DSLR it has less than 30 minutes of record time so you're gonna run into that issue um, it's still the I made a video a while back about the ADD and I wasn't super hyped on it it was uh, it just at me having the 70 70d it wasn't enough of a features upgrade to take it to the next the next step up um, there was no 4K, there was no slow motion. Um, the only extra stuff on there was really just adding 60 frames per second instead of 30 frames per second, and then also adding a headphone jack. So, like I said, it wasn't enough for me to make the entire trade out um, to just drop the 70D completely. I just, if it, I told in the video before, I told you that if you still have a 70D, I would keep the 70D. If you don't have a 70D, and you're looking to get a, a starter DSLR, a vlogging DSLR, or even a good solid uh, wedding cam, 
B camera, then I would go and get the ADD. If that was my first camera. Uh, let's see, let me give you some specs here. So we got 1080p, we got 30 frames per second, and then of course you got your 60 frames per second. Um, yeah, flip screen, like like I said, it's like it's the same exact camera as the 70D. The image quality is really nice. You still got that Canon color profile where the skin tones are a little more on the red side. Um, with the with the 70D and the 80D, uh, color grading, if you were to keep it in automatic mode, is I think fairly easy and it's almost just like a color correction. Um, we'll get into the Sony's here in a minute. But the Sony's have more of a uh, sense green. Since the color green, we, we can see more with our eyes, we can see more shades of green. They add more green to their image and removing that green from the color grade is a lot of times pretty difficult. Uh, a lot of people end up looking kind of jaundice. Um, it's a uh, white skin tones, dark skin tones. It's like trying to pull that green out, but not adding too much red. It's like it's a it's in the color grades that I've had over the last year working with the A7S. It's it's a little difficult. So with the Canon, they have a nice color profile, and it's also with the Canon Cinema line. Um, these are going to have redder, warmer skin tones. So if you are in the wedding game, it's uh it's going to be pretty nice. It's going to be a if you're not that good at color grading and you're just getting into weddings, this is going to be a pretty solid camera, Azure B camera, especially in the color grade. Uh, let's, let's see. So a note, I haven't put this on the list, but working with the Canon 5D Mark IV, Mark III, Mark II, if you are looking to have a image-first DSLR that is still Canon and in the Canon universe, I would go with a Canon 5D. Now it doesn't have the flip screen. And actually, let me just pull it up for you guys, just to just to make it easier. So we all know the Canon 5D, super popular camera. Everyone, every wedding photographer has one. And when it came out, you know, a couple years ago, that has video features that pretty much destroyed the video market, rebuilt it from the ground up, aka the the DSLR revolution. But that's that's kind of coming past now. Now we're like mirrorless, and now we're kind of just. I don't think we know where we are now, folks. Um, get you some photos. Yeah, so no flip screen. It's a bulkier camera. It's heavier. It is uh, more waterproof than the 70D or the 80D. It is a full frame, so that so that means your lenses are gonna obviously act different than your. Uh, they're gonna act different than your crop frame on the 70D, 80D. You know, a 50 millimeter on a. 5D is a 50 millimeter. 50 millimeters on a 70D or 80D is like 85 millimeters. Uh, let's see. The Gabriel, I'm gonna get to your question here in just a minute. Actually, I'm gonna switch over to that after this. So the 5D, if that this is your solo camera, and you still want to stay DSLR, and you still also want to be able to take great photos and also have some really nice video this is probably the camera to get it again if you want to stay in the canon dslr world um just like just in camera like straight off the memory card comparing the images of the 80d to the 5d uh it is worlds apart i did a vlog with the 5d mark III uh a while back i think it was called like the downside of post-production um 
the image quality was substantially better. It was a uh, it shot almost like not quite sea log, but the image looked more sea loggy, where it was uh, grayer and you know a little more washed out, which gave me a lot more latitude in the color grade. All right, let's see. Gabriel wants to know about the EOS five. Oh, the M five. Okay, let me show you the M five. Let me learn to spell. Okay, so this was. I saw a really cheesy marketing video on this M5. Like Canon's Canon's marketing videos are just it was a, it was it was a gross corporate video. Um like using using some wedding I don't know. I'm sure this is the camera Gabriel. This is what you're talking about, Gabriel. This one right here. This M5. So this is their mirrorless camera. Oh, and guys if uh, in the background if you can hear a little rain it's like obviously in Louisiana it rains quite a bit and uh, I was actually afraid the power was gonna go out today so it's raining a little bit outside so just kind of if you hear any thunderstorms or like power flickers just know that all right so the five so the M5 I have not taken a look at this camera see it's a crop sensor APS-C let's see HD 60 frames per second. It's the same price range as the 80Ds, and it's obviously a lot more compact. Has the flip screen, kind of like the RX100. Let's see, how does the flip screen work? Okay, so their flip screen flips under. Gotcha. Wait, okay. Because I saw I saw a video by Sam Sheffer. He was vlogging, and he's had there was one camera that hadn't quite come out yet, and I don't know if this is their. I don't know if one is about to come out after this one, the M5, but their complaint was that once you put a shotgun microphone on top, that the flip screen kind of defeats the purpose. So having the flip screen underneath the body of the camera so that you could then attach a road mic to the top, I think actually solves that problem. So again, this could be a, this is a, I haven't taken a look at this. It's got some solid reviews so far. Um, it comes with a detachable interchangeable lens, which the RX100 does not. Um, so that means you can change it up. You can go 15 to 45, which is a pretty wide. Um, I would, I'd be curious if they even had. Well, I guess you, you could put a like a like this. You could put this 10 to 18 on there if you want to go really wide. Let's see. All right, folks, let's move on to the A7S II, and I'll kind of include the A7R II in this discussion as well. These cameras came out uh, two or three years ago, and this has dominated the uh, the wedding game. This has dominated the documentary game. Um, this had, this is, at Thomas TV, this is one of our main B cams. Uh, we work in kind of the Sony world, so kind of matching up with the... You know, Sony cameras with Sony cameras helps a lot. So if you're working with an FS5, an FS7, FS700, the A7S is going to match up a lot better uh, compared to say Canon C100 or Blackmagic, um, just because they're using the same color profiles and they're using S-Log2. Uh, let's see. So the A7S, the big thing about this uh, when it came out was that it's shot in 4K. The previous model was shot in 1080p. Um, it had 4K. It had 4K externally, but at the time, the 
external recorder game was a little bit new. There was like Ninja Blades that were coming out, the Ninja, like the Atomos recorders, um, but they weren't quite hitting the mark. And then, uh, I mean, unless you wanted to really upgrade to like an Odyssey 7Q Plus, which is huge, uh, especially working with a small mirrorless camera like the A7S. Now, these A7Ss can get tricked out to the max. You can put a full shoulder rig on this. You can attach V-mount batteries. You can attach, I mean, monitors, 4K monitors, 4K recorders, follow focuses. Like, you can really trick out this mirrorless camera, and you're going to get a really solid image out of this. Um, in terms of battery, I would buy a V-mount battery adapter so that you're not having to worry about the little tiny Sony batteries. Uh, this thing is, a, like like I would say, professionally, this is a really solid B camera, or this is or this could be a really great A camera. Um, I say solid B camera if you're working with cinema cameras such as the FS7, FS5. Um, by itself, this is great for weddings. Um, you're also going to have some uh, 120 frames per second recording which is super slow motion. Um, and also at the same time, uh, if you wanted to switch over to photo photography mode, you like you would still be kicking ass with this one. Um, the, let's see. So it uses the Sony E-mount. Let me double check that. I believe it's the Sony E-mount. So if you were still in the Canon glass world, you would need to switch over to an E to EF mount. A lens adapter like uh, Metabones. Let me scroll down and get you some, whoops. Scroll down and get you some stats here. Continuous shooting. I mean, obviously, folks, like when you talk A7S2, you're talking about low light. A7R is a little geared more towards photography and less towards low light, but the A7R is going to get you like it's going to get you 98% there uh, as much as the A7S. Let's see. Let's see if we have any questions. Which camera is good for taking short films as well as used for a photography class? Uh, so it would probably be this A7S II. This is like, uh, in terms of like image quality, uh, this is this is a very cinematic image you're gonna get. Um, you can since it's shooting in S log two and also in 4K, you're able to kind of play with the image a lot more. You're also able to grade the image a lot more because it's no sorry not S log two S log three, which is their upgrade from S-Log2, which was in the previous model. I mean, it's like, it's super solid. And uh, and like I said, you can attach Metabones, you can put Cinema Glass on this, you can trick this out to be a full-size rig. Um, it is, it will have no problem of this being a full cinema camera. Now, in terms of audio, because a lot of people vlog with this, I know the, uh, I know Casey Neistat has been vlogging with A7R. I think uh, the Ask Gary V show vlogs with one of these potentially. Um, uh, the good part about this, it's using it just like the ADD. It has uh, 3.5 millimeter inputs and outputs, so you can do headphones and a microphone at the same time. You put a lob on top. You walk around. You have a very small mini documentary uh, running gun film camera if you wanted to. Um, the only complaint about this, if it wasn't tricked out and rigged out, is the battery life. Batteries on this one, if I were to shoot a wedding and it was going to take me all day, uh, I would probably take about 10 batteries at a minimum just to be safe because if you're rolling at 4K and you're rolling 
almost continuously, then your battery is going to last maybe 20 minutes. Uh, so 10 batteries is probably on the lighter side. I would go, uh, I would probably get a lot more batteries if I were you. But that's the only complaint um, in terms of power, just how small it is. Um, you can buy adapters and rig it up to a V-mount. You can also obviously buy like battery body kits that go under the, the Sony if you want to improve battery life without fully rigging it out. Okay, let us move on. Make sure I don't want to leave anybody behind. But any questions so far? Okay, okay, cool. All right, so let's move on now into the... Let's check our kit.com, guys. Guys, if you're also, uh, I might have mentioned this, or I've mentioned this earlier, but if you look at the, the link at the very top in the description, uh, it's going to take you to kit.com. It's going to keep you keep you following along, and we're going to move on now into the FS7, and we're also going to kind of talk about the FS5, and, and actually, we'll just talk about these kind of FS, Sony FS family, kind of all together. All right, so the FS5, uh, I put this on my wish list. A while back for Christmas, Santa Claus is not good enough to me. Um, but so the so the FS5 was the baby version of the FS7. FS7 is a cinema camera. It's uh, fully tricked out. It has slow motion features, 240 frames uh, slow motion. It's using Sony's E mount. You, I mean, it's like this is the this is the callback from Sony when Canon came out with the Canon Cinema line. Like this is, this is if not a replacement to the Canon Cinema line, um, just because of how because just because of how modular this thing is. Um, the FS7 compared to the FS5 is probably I would say a third less of the size. Um, it's not as bulky, but with its lack of bulk obviously means lack of features. So this one uses SD cards. Um, it's gonna, and you're obviously gonna need a high speed SD card in order to keep up with 4K, keep up with the high frame rates. Um, the ND filter on this is built in, which is awesome. Um, and this also is gonna give you, I believe, let's see. And I believe this has some professional audio input such as XLR. Let me verify this for you guys. Yeah, okay. So it's got two three pin XLRs. Um, so that means you could do a shot, you know, if this was gonna be your interview camera, you set this up, you could run you could run audio directly into camera. Now I don't know what the preamp is gonna look like on this one. I I, I haven't directly recorded audio onto an FS five. Um, but you just gotta kinda be careful about that and you know, your monitoring audio might not be the best uh, if you were actually just recording to say a Zoom H5 or you know, recording to some Tascam off, you know, as separate audio or you know, versus actually recording into camera. Recording into camera on a cinema camera is a plus, but you just have to be, you have to be weary of it because you're also worried about focus and make sure the camera's still rolling and also making sure that your audio is good and that you know, it's just, it's, when you become the, a multi, multi-faceted camera operator, you, the quality can drop off because you're not quite sure, um, or, or you're, you're having difficulty kind of monitoring all aspects of it. So, FS7, I would work with this. Uh, it ha works with SD cards. The image quality is 
I mean, it's it's fucking solid, guys. It's like Sony. It's going to be up there with the A7S. They're all going to be pretty comparable. Um, this one outputs into 4K and 2K RAW. Uh, if you have, I think you need a firmware update with this one. And this one uses the SD cards. Now switching over to the FS7, it's a little bit bigger. It weighs a little bit more, um, but you're also going to get a little more ruggedness. You're also going to get uh, with that. You're also going to have higher image quality and you know faster read and write speeds. So with this one, the I keep saying SD card on the FS5, FS7, but the uh, sorry the FS5, but on the FS7, this uses XQD cards. So these are Sony XQD cards. They're like they're like the the size comparison would be it's like larger than an SD card, smaller than a CF card, and right now they're still pretty expensive, but um, but it's it's gonna have the speed so that you can transfer those transfer the image to the card um, when you're shooting in 4K super slow mo. It's like you, like you're gonna need the speed. Um, so this can do 12 bit raw, which is I mean, that's that's pretty nuts. Um, 10 bit 422, and that's just in, that's in their Ultra HD. Uh, let me see what else. Yeah, the other thing too is the the recording format. So this is XAVC I, which is I believe XAVC I is a shorter codec, and then there's like XAVC, which is XAVC long. Um, so these are gonna like these are gonna kind of play a little bit differently in your computer. The XAVC long is a I'd say a bulkier codec uh, versus the XAVC I, which is uh, a little bit more lightweight. So you gotta like you have to kind of see how your camera or how your computer works with your workflow when it comes to this FS7. Um, it's it's a uh, yeah, it can get a little bulky with the uh, XAVC Ls. Uh, let's see, let's see. Yeah, so we've used this on, as our A camera on a couple shoots, and the image quality is really nice. The form factor is great. Putting this on a shoulder rig is really comfortable. The it's I mean, it's is it has the nice it has the nice weight uh, that you want from a cinema camera when you put it on your shoulder, and it's it's gonna and even when you put on the uh, actually I think it has a image of it. Yeah, putting uh putting their zoom lens on there uh, was actually really nice. They have a uh, they have a powered zoom lens and like. Using that in combination with the viewfinder and the eye cup, it's like it's it's worth the price. And uh, and even compared to the FS5, they're like they're give and take. So if this was if I was choosing, you know, if I was starting fresh and I wanted to do a documentary, a cinematic movie or cinematic documentary, I would choose FS7 as my A camera and FS5 as my B cam. All right, let's see. All right, we are going to now move on to all right, the Blackmagic Ursa Mini Pro. So the Ursa Mini Pro came out just a couple of days ago, you know, less than a few weeks ago, actually. Um, before this was the Ursa Mini, which was kind of funny because I remember going on lensrental.com about six months ago looking to rent that seeing what it would look like and they have this huge description warning saying like 
you can rent this, but we have field tested it. We have we have field tested this so much that we cannot safely recommend that you rent this and that this won't and that something bad won't happen. Like this has failed so much in the field for us and for our customers that I don't know if like it's we're gonna recommend this <laughs> with uh, a little bit of hesitance. Um, so the so the Ursa Mini Pro came out and it's kind of like I don't know Blackmagic is kind of weird when it comes to it being it's a software company that's trying to be a hardware company and they've had so many issues in the past about holy moly the uh, the rain's picking up folks so the, so it's like yeah so they're trying to be a hardware company um, they delayed releases this Ursa Mini the original Ursa Mini when it came out that was delayed there were back orders they were out of stock their parts were missing it's like there's a lot of issues with it um, so they Ursa Mini Pro seems to have addressed the hardware issues that were with the uh, just the Ursa Mini itself um, shoots 4.6k so it's the same sensor that they're using you know they come in PL mounts EF mounts uh, which is really nice it's not as ginormous as the Blackmagic Ursa which is basically strapping on a computer to your shoulder and then just you know or it looks like a giant printer and you just kind of kind of you know attach a lens to a printer and then kind of go out and shoot that that was the Ursa yeah that was the Blackmagic Ursa before Ursa Mini was a little bit smaller you're like okay this is like actually usable and it had XLR inputs had touchscreen features you're like okay like you know it had the best rated uh, EVF on the market um, so you're like okay like I think we're getting there we're like we're we're addressing some of the issues um, so what they what they've done here they have added um, this used to just be a blank you know just a blank plastic LCD viewfinder now they've added time code on the outside they've added like quick buttons white balance um, let's see what we got here Yep, all with timecode stuff, all with uh, audio. You can lock this so you, you know, if you have this in shoulder mount mode, that your cheek is not bumping into this as the outside record buttons. And it's it's still a really nice image. It's uh, you're gonna need uh, some extra fast CF card, C fast cards, which have come out in the last few years. These are not CF cards but they're just a step up from that uh, they're a little expensive and you're gonna need uh, quite a bit if you want to make sure that uh, you have enough data when it comes to working with the Ursa Mini Pro 4.6k so and like and I do lightning striking all across the street this is nuts um, <laughs> um, so with the Ursa Mini uh, I mean, obviously, the Black Magic like their biggest selling point is their image quality. They're going to give you a raw image. They're going to give you just like the most data-heavy image possible, so you have the most play when it comes to working in their DaVinci Resolve. Um, so yeah, they're going to give you an uncompressed Cinema DNG raw file, which is really bulky when it comes to Adobe Premiere. You're going to want to proxy that uh, so you can at least work with it or like understand it. Um, and if not a quick uh, a faster file, but it's not true 4K, it's Ultra HD would be their Apple ProRes 4.4 XQ. That's going to take up a lot of space. If you want to knock it down to 4.22 HQ, or you know, it's like it's 
it can get the data can get eaten up a lot pretty quickly. It's um yeah. So like I said, when you get those CF C fast cards, make sure you have enough. Uh, make sure you have have uh, I don't know. I think they come in like two fifty six, one twenty eight. I I would definitely recommend that you get uh, a lot a lot of those cards. All right, so let's move on to the last camera. Oh wait, I never addressed the FS seven hundred. So at Tommy's TV, we use the FS seven hundred. That's been our A camera for quite a while now. It's it is now in the same price range as the C one hundred. It's like used a lot for like skater movies. Um, but once it's fully tricked out, this is a really nice image when it comes to it. Let's not go to the Amazon site. Let's go to. So it's a it's a really nice image. It can sh output to 4K, which we have used for when it comes to our Odyssey 7Q Plus uh, external recorder. Will will output to 4K. Um, it shoots in slow motion up to like eight second bursts. If you want to do like 220 frames per second, 240 is a little bit short of a burst. Um, but you can roll all day in 60 frames per second, which sometimes is all you need. Um, it is a lightweight camera, but we rig it up so that, you know, it's on a shape rig, it's on a shoulder mounted rig, and it's, you know, so that it looks like a cinema camera, you know, put a matte box on it. Uh, the Sony batteries on the back are large professional camera cinema batteries. They're, you know, they're going to last you four hours a piece. Um, throw on a V mount on the back of that, and you're going to get the same, uh, even more power, even a longer uh, working time. The built-in ND filters saved our ass all the time, It and uh, it works pretty well if you want to attach a Metabone. Some cameras don't really work too well in the Sony world uh, that are Metabone's adapters. They, I've had trouble with A7S with the Metabone. Sometimes you got to like restart it. With the FS7, you're not going to have any issue with the Metabone smart adapter, you know, E-mount to EF can mount. Um, yeah, this price has dropped enough. I would almost recommend this. Uh, over the FS5 if you're still looking for uh, a solid camera and uh, I, I mean it, th these are pretty comparable I don't know if they're like I would in terms of image quality and what you can do and what you can output to this uh, I would say go FS700 over the FS5 um, but I think they're kind of meant to be in that kind of brotherly range of like you could go either or and still be fine in the in the Sony world okay let us move down to the Canon Cinema line. So the Canon Cinema line, uh, that's that was what uh, that's probably been my favorite long term overall. Like just the the Canon C100. I remember working on a short film with the Canon C300 Mark One. They came out, and then you know, and then kind of hoping and wanting to ever get my hands on a C500, knowing that they're like at the time they were like. $49,000 um, so they're no joke it's a uh, so let's kind of just let's dive into so I want to talk a little bit about the Canon C100 I've made uh, there's a tutorial uh, in my list of videos of the C100 mark one when the, the it had its issues the flip screen was kind of weird the C100 mark two when that came out it had a flip screen uh, had a lot more high def features, had a lot more slow motion features. Um, it just kind of solved all the problems from this C100 Mark I. And that camera, 
And like the crappy part about it, you know, kids like Canon versus Sony, Canon has not stepped up their game when it comes to slow motion recording. Sony's killing them on slow motion recording. But when it comes to like a native image that if you were to take it straight out of the camera and just put it on the web and not have to doctor it up, not color grade it at all, that the C100's image profile compared to say like the FS5 would be a better better image straight out of the camera. Um, that sometimes doesn't mean much when you're going to color grade it, but if you were to... Uh, if you just say if you were in a fast pinch or if you're just doing documentary style shooting and you just need to go fast, get it out, or if you're in the news game and you need to get it out, get it fast, and you don't care about color grading, C100, C300, those color profiles are probably a lot more friendlier to the non-color graders. So the C300 um, obviously is overtaking the C300. It was C100, 300, 500, and then came out the 100 Mark II, and then the 300 and then the C300 Mark II. The 300 Mark II has definitely eclipsed the 500. The C500 was a $49,000 camera, and when this Mark II came out, that that price cut in half to $25,000. So what the C500 does, it out it can only output into 4K, and it has this huge motor on the side to keep all the components cool, and it's like. At, at that price range and for what you're getting and for what you still you still have to go out and buy a 4k recorder on the side it is not it, it was not the right choice uh, if you were going to compare to the c300 mark 2 c300 mark 2 has internal 4k it has true 24 frames per second and it has some nice slow motion features I'm take a sip of my coffee folks okay so C300 Mark II, um, obviously it's in the Canon world, so if you have Canon Glass, which Sony is still trying to catch up to the Sony, still can't, Sony is still trying to catch up to the lens game, Canon Glass is obviously the best if you're just going to work in the, if you're just going to work in the photography lens game, um, you're going to go up to the cinema game, then that's a different story. Like, we're not, <laughs> that's, that, that, we'll say that for a different live stream. Um, so you got flip screen, you have, it's a nice form factor if you wanted to go handheld with the C300 Mark II or Mark, you know, or the Mark I or the C100 Mark I, just that form factor. We're able to put your right hand in the handle, put your left hand underneath the camera body, you know, have your thumb and four, you know, an index finger out for, to follow focus and then like, you know, tuck it tight to your chest and like that's going to give you... Like that's gonna give you a solid, like you know, you're holding it like this all the time, and you're able to get a steady, you know, a steady documentary shot that at the same time is still handheld, and you're not, you know, if you need to be inconspicuous, this is a nice camera just to kind of, you know, nice running gun. Now, if you wanted to expand to, I think they have like, see if they like image of the rigs. Yeah, so like the Zacuto Z Finder right here. Hey folks, if you're uh, if you're on, hang on, let me let me give some let me give some love, y'all, to uh, to our Instagram live. Yo, if you're on Instagram live, guys, you can head over to YouTube and you can watch the live stream there. Uh, the link is in the description. But I appreciate you guys hanging out in this live session. But if you're just kind of watching like the side of my face, it's like here, camera. You can you can follow along on the uh, visual storytelling. 
but I appreciate it. And Instagram guys, if you have any questions, pop it right there in that chat. Uh, if you need me to go over anything, I will. Otherwise, sit tight, yeah. Okay, back to the C300 Mark II. So like this would be the camera rigged up, shoulder rig, EVF. Like this is cinema style right here. This is a this is a beautiful cinema camera if you wanted to do independent filmmaking. And if you want to do a very cinematic looking documentary, this would be my go-to. If I were to go to India to film a documentary, I'm taking a C300 Mark II with this type of rig. It's uh, handles, I mean, the handle's solid, image quality solid, the outputs are professional, you can run XLR into the camera, and you can do that. It's like, it's going to give you 4K uh, natively, and uh, let me, I'm trying to remember what, Trying to let me see. I'm trying to remember what their what cards they use because because the C three hundred use CF cards and I'm trying to see now. Okay, so they're using the C fast cards, um, which I can give you a shot of that right here, folks. I keep saying C fast without actually showing you guys what I'm talking about. So the C fast cards are just kind of a a larger step up um, to just a regular CF card. Um, the you know CF cards are great for the 5D Mark III or Mark IV if you're trying to take some still photography. Um, but when you need to read and write 4K at 120 frames per second, you need something a little bulkier, faster, um, something that's going to get the job done. So like this sand is here, 128. To, you know it's perfect for the RE and Canon cameras. Um, they can go higher, 256. Read-write speeds are insane. Um, yeah, so that is a, that's, a, that's a CF card, just in case you're wondering, folks. Yeah, so I've like Canon C300. It's a it's a good price range if you wanted to rent. Um, if you're in your independent filmmaking world, it's enough to. The rental price for like a week of a C300 Mark II would run you about uh, two, somewhere between two to five thousand dollars. It depends on how much you're getting and from who you're getting it from. Um, it's going to give you a really solid image. And even if you wanted to find some on eBay of the C300, those have dropped down now to about eight thousand um, dollars. And the C100s Mark One have dropped down to something like two thousand dollars. So if you aren't really into vlogging and you don't really care about the DSLR world and you still want to but you want to start working with cinema cameras you want to start getting uh, more and more uh, a, a better feel better experience better like you know even like building that muscle group of working with cinema cameras and, and not playing around with the DSLR world I would start to work with the C100s C300s um, yeah again if you're not into vlogging and if you're not into like doing selfies or whatever those young millennials are doing nowadays um let's see okay let's move on now this is gonna be our last camera folks the red camera all right we'll just kind of talk red in general just because it's like just and just the whole subject of it is kind of nuts and it just it gets gets out of control pretty quickly um so the weapon 6k like they came out with you know, I talked about the helium 8K sensor coming out. So they like they differ between they upgrade their sensor and then they upgrade their body and they upgrade their sensor and upgrade their body. So there's like 
I I still get it messed up myself, folks. But it's like red weapon, red dra- There's like a red dragon or red epic dragon, or it's like is it six k? Is it eight k? Is it a four k? Is it a the red raven? It's like so. There's there's quite a lot. We'll talk about mostly about the weapon eight k, which was the the big boy that came out a couple months ago. Um, yeah. So it's I mean. Let's let's just start with this, folks. It's forty nine thousand five hundred dollars. So, um, get your checkbooks out real quick. Um, red obviously is going to shoot red code raw. Shoots Alpha Pro Res. Uh, the dynamic range is nuts. Um, and you and just working with a raw file inside of red is going to give you uh, the most play you can have with the image uh, possible. If it were not just like, I mean. I don't. I, I can't think of a, another camera that has that much play. That if you you can shoot in one thousand, you know, like two thousand Kelvin on a white balance, and then back in post, you can totally correct it or totally skew it uh, either which way, uh, depending on the color grade, depending on how far you were off. Like you, there's so it's like it's it's almost funny how little you have to care in camera during the day about getting your settings right because you can just all flip them and change them in post because you're really just capturing pure data. You're not really capturing a compressed image or a pre-formatted image. You're, it's just it's just computer data. And then the, the computer is just kind of like, here's what it would look like if it, wasn't, if it were an image or if it were a video. Um, but yeah, like there's, so there's a lot of play with it. Um, we were shooting a short film a while back, and let's yeah let's let's talk a little bit about some bad stuff. It's a big camera. It's a it's it's not a vlog camera. Uh, it's a heavy camera, so the selfies are going to be a little limited on this. Um, a lot of the big time YouTubers use this, like MKBHD, obviously uses a a red weapon for his like tech reviews. It's I mean it's like. You're getting 6K resolution, and it's like it's it's just nuts. But 6K, 8K, and like that is so much room to play uh, when it comes to uh, just when it comes to imaging. If you want to shoot a wide, and then also you know you're in post, you're shooting a wide, but you want to crop into uh, a medium shot, a close up. You're still even if you're an output in 1080p, you're getting eight times the size of play that you would have and yeah so going back to that story we were shooting a short film and obviously in short film you shoot the video on a camera you record audio to a separate audio device uh the fan on this camera was loud as shit like it was think of the loudest computer you've ever heard running a heavy fan i mean it's like it was like a vacuum cleaner it sounded like a vacuum cleaner in a distant room with the door closed it was that loud and because it's it's a giant computer trying to keep all this software or trying to keep all this hardware cooled down so they can run the software and obviously when you hit record this the fan goes off but it's like if you're rolling with this all day long eight hours ten hours twelve hours and you're keeping it turned on the entire time and you don't have any t- chance for it to just completely cool down, shut down, uh, then it's going to be pretty loud, and it's actually going to mess up your audio if you have sensitive enough equipment. Um, 
Yeah, so that was a problem. That would be a that would be a major drawback uh, if you were uh, considering getting this camera or using it for your next short film. Image quality great. Not a lot of people talk about uh, the downside of the fan and how it messes up audio. It's like you, it's and that kind of like that, that's probably a good place to wrap up. That all these cameras, like they look great, sound great. The application's good in, uh, you know, the application's fine in reality, but it's, but like once you actually get it in the field, once you're actually in the dark and you have 20% battery left and the lens is a little smudged up and you get all, and it's like once you're actually down in the trenches with the, with these cameras, that's when you truly know that this is a good camera, that this is a reliable camera. Uh, is it okay if it gets a little wet? Is it okay if the, you know, if, is it prone to like bugging out? Does it glitch out? Does it shut down? Is the, is the battery life long enough? Is the battery life decent enough? Uh, is the image quality going to wreck your computer? It, you know, is this, is this going to capture too much data for your computer that you now have to go buy four more hard drives just to keep up with the ingestion rate that you're having? You know, is it, uh, does it completely fail? Is customer service bad? Like you have to, you have to think about all these downsides, and that's why I would recommend that I would recommend renting some of these cameras if you were thinking about buying these. Rent them for a week. Rent them for a weekend before you actually go buy these things, um, because if you're going to invest this with your company's money, if you're going to be a filmmaker on your own, you're going to be an independent cinematographer. You're going to be a wedding videographer. Whatever you're going to do. And you're going to invest part of this money, part of your hard-earned money into this. I would rent it. It's for a reduced price. The rental fee is, I think, definitely worth it. Get, I mean, whatever, dude. Get the shortest rental period possible. Rent it. Test it out. See if this is the kind of camera you want. Push it to its limits. If it fails on you, you'll, I mean, I would much rather pay. If I were to go, say, like, rent the C100, I would much rather pay the $300 rental rate then pay the $3,000 for the price tag and then be stuck with a camera and then having to like figure out how to get it returned or sell it or like just make it work. So just like think about that, like all this stuff that we're talking about that it's like, it's all, you know, specs looks great. This is the new camera. This is the big bad camera. This is like 4k, this and that dude. It's all about, it's all about how it works out in the field. And if it doesn't work out in the field, it's not really worth it. So, Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks so much for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you can catch the next episode when it comes out. And if you haven't already, head over to YouTube and check these vlogs out for yourself. Thanks.